0: Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. The Seven Unshakable Life Declarations is the name of the series that we're in right now. These declarations are taken from Psalm 27. If you would go to Psalm 27, you will be with me as I go into the message once again, as we discuss these seven declarations from Psalms 27, verses 1 through 14. We draw the seven declarations. We're on declaration number two already. We're talking about what an unshakable life actually looks like. Now, this is how I have defined an unshakable life. All right. I would like you to write this down if you haven't already. One who builds... On the unshakable Word of God, a life that is anchored, immovable, and indestructible. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, a life that is indestructible. Everyone should desire to build a life, a home, a marriage, your financial life, your moral life, your relationship life, every part of your life that would be so anchored in the Word, so immovable in God's principles. That it's actually unshakable and the enemy cannot come in and destroy that life because it's built on the Word of God. We uh, looked at Luke chapter 648 where Jesus said we have to dig down deep and get to the rock so we can build on that foundation a life that actually has the ability to withstand the storms, the wind, the rain, the flood, whatever comes against our life. One way to build an unshakable life is to develop A faith declaration. Now, here's my definition of a faith declaration. A person who unites his heart and his mouth to declare by faith the word of God and unshakable life declarations. A person who declares the word of God. Now, the word of God is in two parts of understanding. One is the written word of God, what we call the Logos. This is the word of God. The Word of God, the Logos, is the 66 books you have in your hands right now if you're holding a Bible. That written Word is my position to stand on. This Word never lies. I don't have to have a feeling or emotion to believe the Word. I should just believe the Word by faith, whether I feel it or not. I stand on the written Word of God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So the Word of God is what keeps you in storms. It's what keeps you from being double-minded. The word of God is what directs you when you want to do something wrong in your flesh, wrong in your emotions, wrong in your mind. And you're trying to reason it out that you should be able to do it. But the word of God says you can't reason it. You can't disobey. You can't do it that way because the word says. And so you go back to the word, even though your flesh, your mind, your emotions, your reasoning, whatever it might be, you won't do it because the word of God teaches you how to think about that situation. Now the quicken word, which is the Rama word of God, is when the Word of God is actually personalized to your life. In Ephesians chapter six verse 17, down in there, where it talks about the armor of God, and it says, "Now the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is not the logos, it's the Rama." The sword of the spirit, which is the rhema or the quickened, the personalized word of God. You can have a Bible, but if there's no quickening for you to sword or to use it as a weapon against the enemy, you can have a dead letter, but not have the power to use it. So you need to have quickened scriptures that you stand on. Scriptures that come to you personally. Scriptures that you can quote. Scriptures that you can fight with. Scriptures over your finance, over your children, over your home, over your marriage, over your mind scriptures you memorize, scriptures you put into your life, scriptures you walk by. Everybody should have some life scriptures that Jesus has quickened to you as being your life scripture that you would serve the Lord, press toward the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus, or a scripture of dedication that you've come to the cross, whatever it might be. Everybody needs to have a quickened Word of God. Now, out of Psalms 27, I have taken what I would call seven Rama quickened thoughts, that you can personalize to stand in life. Here they are. These are the seven unshakable life declarations as seen or as I've drawn them out of Psalm 27. I'd like you to read them out loud with me. Everybody together. Number one. I will live life strong. I will have love God's house passionately. Third. I will hold my head high. Fourth. I will listen to my heart. Fifth. I will trust God in the dark. Six, I will walk on a level path. And seven, I won't lose heart. Now we're going to go to Psalm 27, verse 4 and 5. We've already done number one, I will live life strong. Need to get that tape downloaded, iPod it, somehow find it. Listen to the first message about how to live life strong. The declaration that we find in Psalm 27, verses 1 through 3. Now verse 4 and verse 5. Psalm 27, verse 4 and 5. One thing. Everyone shout out one thing. thing. Who else in the Bible uses the same phrase? In the New Testament, he's an apostle, and the first letter of his first name is P. Everybody got it? The Apostle Paul, Philippians 3. One thing. Press toward the mark. One thing have I desired of the Lord. This is David, and this is going to be our declaration this morning. That will I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? To behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in His temple. Now meditate with me on these words. This is where we're taking this declaration. Why should you love God's house so passionately? Because there's something in the house... That affects your life in a big way. David says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life because there's some beauty that I need to contemplate that will change the way I think. Also, there's some questions I have. I need to inquire and get God's Word over those questions. Inquire in the temple. Then verse 5, he says, for in the time of trouble... Remember, Matthew 7 says trouble will come, floods will come, winds will blow, rains will beat. Trials, fiery trials, James chapter 1. We know there will be valleys of life. There will be oppositions. There will be discouragement times. There will be attacks. There will be times of trouble that come through. People of the flesh that come against you. Spiritual strongholds that come against you. Wicked spirits in high places. David knew all about trouble. His best friend was a trouble to him. His own son that he loved more than any other son was a trouble to him. He had trouble from every angle of his political regime. He had people that were disloyal to him that he never would have dreamt would have been disloyal. There are people trying to undermine him all the time. David knew what it was like to be under trouble. All he did was love God with his heart, sing out in the backside of the desert, Be brought in by the king because Saul had an evil spirit that would come upon him. And David would play his harp and the evil spirit would leave the king. So the king brought him into the court and said, I need this man. There's something about David's playing. When he plays, all the confusion leaves me. This demonic presence goes away. The oppression, I'm free from it. So David comes into the court. He did nothing wrong. All he had was an anointing on the harp. He was a man of God in his heart. He was a man that had purity and presence. He had talent with a real anointing upon it. And Saul somehow apprehended that gift into his court. David didn't do anything to cause the trouble. But Saul got so jealous of David. Not only was he a musician, he was a warrior. Not only was he a warrior, he was a friend to Saul's son, Jonathan, the best friend. Not only was he such a mighty warrior that he would win a few battles, he would go out and do things no other warrior would do. And they would start singing songs about Saul has killed his thousands, but David, his ten thousands. And so Saul rose up in anger and jealousy and took his spear and tried to nail David to the wall when he was in playing his heart. David had to run for his life and he went from cave to cave, wilderness to wilderness, 17 different caves, 17 different wilderness experiences. David is out in a time of trouble. How many of you know there are times when there are Saul's that throws javelins at you when you've done nothing wrong? There are times when the enemy comes after you only because you have pure heart and anointing on your gift and talent, and you can serve the Lord Jesus and do something in the kingdom of God. And in comes trouble against you. That is why you need to have a life declaration that understands the house of God, for it says, "In the time of trouble, he shall hide me. Where? In his pavilion, in a special tent. Where? In a secret place. That is, one translation says, where the enemy can't reach. In the secret place, where? In his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. David had a love affair with the house of God. Why? Because in the house of God, things happened to him. In the house of God, he had some benefits that would only come in the tabernacle. I want to encourage you this morning to understand that your love affair with the house of God is a very big part of your success in life. Your love affair with the house of God is a very big part of how you will handle the trials and the trouble and the javelins that will come your way. Your relationship to the house of God is so important that in a time of trouble, when you get into the house of God with the relationships you have, you can actually find a secret place in the presence that will so strengthen you that you will not be shaken, but you will actually be lifted to a higher place because you understand the house of God. The house of God is a very special place. The house of God is the church of the Lord Jesus. The house of God is the corporate body joined together. The house of God is the wife that Christ loves. When you come into a place... That is joined together like the church should be joined together. Where the presence of God dwells. And people have covenant relationship. And there's principles and the Word. And corporate strength. And corporate prayer. And fasting. And counseling. And input. And encouragement. And people that will lift your hands up in a time of trouble. They'll run to your rescue. And they'll protect you with their shield and their spear. I'll tell you right now. There's a reason to love the house of God. There's a reason. Now here's my definition Of loving God's house. I will love God's house passionately. How? Very simple. I will love God's house with a faithful and fervent spirit. And a heart of unwavering devotion, service, and zeal. When you cross over from a religious relationship to the house of God, to a love affair, this definition will be life to you. When you cross over from attending church to being church, when you cross over from spectator to participator, when you cross over from just coming into a building to coming into a life and coming into a group of people that are the house of God in relationship and commitment to them as much as they are to you, you've crossed over from that religious understanding of attending church to actually loving God's house. Loving what the house is, what the house can do. Hide yourself on that house. Serve that house. Be fervent in that house. Be unwavering in your devotion. Unwavering in your loyalty. You have crossed over. There was a time in my life when I crossed over. I know the time. I attended church, but there was a time when I became church. I went to a building, but there was a time when I became that building. I went to services and sang songs, but there was a time when I became that song. I went to services to shake hands with a few people, hug a few necks, but there was a time when those handshakes and those hugging of necks became covenant relationships where I was burdened and concerned for those people. I crossed over. I have a love affair with the house of God. It changed my life. It changed my destiny. I found my wife in the house of God. I raised my kids in the house of God. All my best friends are in the house of God. I vacation with the people in the house of God. I pray with people in the house of God. When I'm in trouble, the house of God comes to my strength and my rescue. As I go through life to make decisions, the house of God becomes my perimeter and my faith hold for me to make right decisions. I crossed over. I moved from a religious whatever about church to a true Passion for the house because I know what's in the house. I know what the house can do. I want to ask your question this morning. Have you crossed over from attending, spectating, going, shaking a hand, but never being burdened, never being involved? never supporting, never giving your life, never lifting up a hand that hangs down, never being concerned about anyone else. You can go to church. I'll tell you what, if you haven't crossed over, this is what you can do. You can drive into the parking lot on 217, drive into the parking lot on Rocky Butte, walk into the building, walk out of the building when the service is over, close your car door and drive off, and nothing has changed. You haven't thought about anybody. You haven't been impacted by God. You haven't visited the altar. You haven't had a word from the Lord. You and inquired in his temple. The presence of the Lord hasn't penetrated your mind or your thoughts. Nothing has changed. You have not crossed over. I'm asking City Bible Church to cross over. Cross over and have a love affair with the house of God. I will love this house with a faithful and fervent spirit. Heart of unwavering devotion. Service and zeal. What does that look like? Well, first of all, you must become what I'm talking about. A lover of God's house. And let's take the psalm apart for a couple minutes now. A lover of God's house. Let's take the words right out of the verse. One thing and desired and seek and beauty and inquire. Let's just take the key words this morning. Just those right there of your circling words in your Bible this morning. Both those on 217, Rocket it, everybody with your Bible in your hand, not just my screens. I want you to circle those words, maybe in your own Bible. One thing, that's an important part of that verse. Desired. Important part. Dwell. House. Beauty. Inquire. Trouble. Hide. High place. High upon a rock. These are important words of this psalm because it has something to do with how I love the house and what the house does to me. How I treat the house has something to do with the house can do to my life. Lovers of God's house. Take down a couple of scriptures. Psalm 26, verse 8. Lord, I have loved. Psalm 26, 8. I have loved the habitation of your house. And the place. Everyone say the place. Come on, say the place. Do you know your place? Do you have a place? Is there a love affair in your heart for the place where you sit right now in the house of God? It's your place. Psalm 69 and verse 9. Because the zeal of your house has eaten me up. Do You have something eating inside of you and it's not jealousy. It's not anger. It's not the works of the flesh. It's not carnality. But you're being eaten up with a zeal. What kind of a zeal? A zeal for God's house to have influence. A zeal for God's house to minister to people. A zeal for God's house to be established in our culture and society and not be a bygone word or looked down upon as the church of yesterday or or the church that should be passing off the scene because it's not needed anymore. No, the house of God is here this day. The house of God is needed. We have a passion and a zeal for the house. Psalms 84, verse 10. It says, when you're in the house of God, time flies. In the courts of God... Time flies by. Now, examine yourself this morning. Take down these very simple, but I think significant points. A lover of God's house, number one, you have made a priority value choice. What is your priority value choice? One thing have I desired. David has focused in on the one thing that he's going to go after. There's a lot of things in life. There's a lot of reasons we can go different ways. There's a lot of things we can love in life. There's a lot of things we can give our energies to. And we have to because we have a role in life that involves relationships and work and church and all kinds of things that takes place in life. But David was able, even though he was a king, even though he had a very large business to run, even though he had a very large family to look after. David said, there's one thing that I have made a priority, value, value. Choice about one thing, which for him was the house. One thing is to simply understand what is first. In the Hebrew, it's simple meaning, ekad is single, first, to know what is first. What is first? Well, what is first is the main thing. In your life, keeping the main thing. The main thing is the key to life about everything. What is first in your life? Where does the house of God fit in your schedule? Well, the word first, if you just kind of go to the dictionary and look up the word first, just to kind of help you think through the word first, I think it's an amazing definition because it helped me to examine my one thing. The word first means to be first in time, first in rank, first in value. If something is first in my life, it's first in my time, it's first when I rank things, it's first in my value system. If it's first in my life, it's most important above everything else. If it's first in my life, it precedes all other things, all other decisions. Whatever is first in my life, I don't let distractions come in and snatch it away. Why? It is a value. A value. The one thing you have this morning when it comes to the house of God, I know we are the love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, mind, and soul. I know that is first. I'm taking it for granted that you've already got that established in your life. That you love God. And once you know God and love God, the very outworking of that love is to love God's church. Matthew 16, verses 16 through 18. Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus says he loves his church. In Ephesians 5, it says that Christ died for the church. He loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh, Ephesians 5.25. And so we know that God loves the church. We know that God values the church. We know that Jesus gave himself for the church. There was a value system there. What do you value? Esteem worth? Critical importance? It drives your choices, your actions? You value something. When you value something, you make time for it. Can I just throw in a little bit of pastoral meandering as I go through this message? Everyone say, sure. How many of you value your job? You value your job. Why? Well, for, if for no other reason, it pays your bills. I didn't say, did you love? I just said, did you value? How does the boss know you value your job? Well, one way is you go to work. If you had a job and never showed up, I imagine the boss would say, uh, you don't really value this job very much, do you? Oh, yes, I do. It's the most awesome job I've ever had. Well, you haven't been to work in three weeks. I know, but I value my job. Well, why don't you come in and work at the job? Well, because so many distractions. What would the boss say to you? Well, go ahead and do that. I understand you love my business and value your job. And I don't care whether you come or not. I'll just keep writing you paychecks because that's the way life is. Now, you'd be finished. What would happen if you went late to work every single day instead of eight o'clock, you'd Checked in, clocked in at 8.05, 8.07, 8.09, 8.15, 9.01, 95. And the boss says, hey, for two weeks you've been clocking in late. What's with that? Don't you value your job? Oh, yeah, I value my job. But I got up late. Or, you know, I had to feed my cat. You know, all the lights were red this morning. I can't tell you what happened, boss, but I'm going to try to get better at this. The boss would probably give you one choice, and that would be get here in time, or a second choice, quit, or third choice, keep doing it, and I'll fire you. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you value the house of God? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Then come on time. Let me ask you a question. If God was hiring and firing church people, and He looked at your record, would He fire you from church? Now, let me make this abundantly clear. I am thrilled you show up anytime at whatever time. Because this is a voluntary thing you do. I am thrilled you come to church because you got to pack up all the little kids and you got to get your stuff into the car and you got to race over to the campus. I understand all about that. I did it for many, many, many years. But you know what? Can I just encourage you? And if you value the house of God, as much as you do your work and your friendships and other things, come on time. It's a way of saying, I respect the house. Another way is come to church often. Don't have God saying, Hey, what member? What church are you a member of? Well, I go to City Bible Church. Do they know who you are? No, I haven't been there for a long time. If you value something and you've made a Priority value choice. One thing. Come on, say it with me. One thing. You will not get the other things I'm talking about from the house of God until you establish the priority value choice of being in the house of God. You have to do the first. Second, if you love God's house, you want to be a lover of God's house. Second, you have to make a heart commitment. Not only a... Priority, value, choice, but a heart commitment. The heart commitment is what? One thing have I desired. And this word desire has the idea of passion. The word desire has the idea of fulfilling what you emotionally are going after. It's what you have a passion for. One thing have I desired. I desire the house of God. I have a heart commitment for it. Do you have fervency? Are you stirred up and excited about it? When you come to the house of God, is there an exuberance? Or do you come in and just slip down into your pew or your chair and kind of slump down? Now, let me again say, I understand there are times of trouble and discouragement where all you can do is just get here. And if you're just here, that's a great blessing. That's a great victory for you just to be here. I understand that. And people gather around. We pray and we lift you up and we strengthen you in that time of trouble. That's not always the season of your life. You don't have trouble all the time. There should be times where you can come to the house of God and be so excited that you make positive confessions and you pray for other people and you get into the worship service like you did this morning on both campuses. What a, what a beautiful flow of worship and people just exuberant and, and excited about the house of God. We are to have a passion for the house of God. Third, a lover of God's house has made a pursuit decision. Priority, passion, and a pursuit that will I seek after. Being absorbed in the search for our persevering and a strenuous effort to obtain, in this case, the house. David says, I'm in pursuit of this. I won't give it up. I might be in trouble, might be in a valley, might be in a wilderness, might be in a cave, but I'm seeking after God and I'm going after the house. Fourth, A lover of God's house has made a placement decision. A placement decision is a spiritual decision. It's an important decision. It's a God decision. It's where your roots go down. You understand this. Most of you would know what this means. But I thought the word dwell here that David uses is so awesome. What an awesome word he uses to describe what's in his life. Listen to it. The word dwell means to be settled. To be settled down. The word dwell means to be established and fixed. The word dwell means to be seated, relaxed. Just taken in the house and at peace with the house. Have a feeling of being settled in the house. Now I know there's times where people move from one local church to another and I've gotten over that years and years ago. I don't spit on anybody that leaves our church I bless them in the name of Jesus, no matter how, why or how they leave. Because it's not my church, it's Christ's church. And as God plants people in the church, they have to feel. And I have people ask me all the time, as new people come in, they want to know how they would know for sure they should be in this church. And my response to them is just about like this. I say, well, you'll, you'll have a settledness in you and a peace and you'll relax and you'll enjoy the people and you'll feel right about it and you'll have joy and You'll have excitement and things will start bubbling up. You'll look forward to going to church and you'll trust the leadership and you'll love the worship and you'll look at the programs that you need and you say, you know what, I can settle into this and this can be my house. That's how it works. You settle into it and it becomes your house. Psalms 68 and verse 6, God sets the solitary in families. Psalms 84 and verse 4, blessed are those who dwell, settled, fixed, established, at peace. In your house, they will be praising you. Psalms 91 and verse 1 talks about those who dwell, fixed, established. In a secret place, David establishes that as being part of the house's virtue. Psalms 140 and verse 13, it says, The upright shall dwell in your presence. Psalms 52, verse 8 and 9 says, I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. An olive tree speaks of that anointing that comes through the planting and the settlement. Psalms 52, verse 8 and 9. Psalms 92, verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You can't flourish without the roots going down and being planted. Ephesians 4, 16, the whole body knit together. Every part does its share. Every part is working together. That's what it means to be placed. Next, lover of God's house has made a focused decision. This is such a beautiful point. Too bad we don't have time to really preach all these points the way you should be preached, but that's always my fault. But Psalm 27, verse 4 says, To behold the beauty of the Lord, a focused decision. A focused decision to behold means to consider, contemplate, meditate, reflect. To behold has the idea that a person acts on what they see. A person develops attitudes on what they see. They make decisions corresponding to what they behold. If we focus in the house of God and behold, contemplate, reflect on the wrong things then we can develop an attitude that is actually built on the wrong focus. You have to behold the beauty of the Lord in the church, in the people, in the variety of people, in the kinds of things that happen in the different ministries. And you have to give place to behold the beauty. You have to see the goodness of the Lord in decisions, the goodness of the Lord in the people, the goodness of the Lord in the vision, beholding the right thing. Next, lovers of God's house have made an inquiring decision. David says, I inquire in the temple. This word means investigate. It has the idea of expecting God to reveal to you what you need. When you inquire in the temple, that means when you come to the house of God, and this is how I come to the house of God, because I've learned something about presence and worship. God speaks. The word of the Lord comes to your heart and your spirit and your mind. About your marriage, your kids, your business, your future decisions. You come inquiring of the Lord. You don't just come worshiping with whatever, whatever. Come inquiring of the Lord about your life. Oh God, I'm inquiring of you this morning. Lord, I'm investigating into your wisdom. It has the idea that God has things stored up for you. And He wants to reveal those things to you. And give the knowledge and the wisdom and the favor and the riches and all the stuff He has stored up for you. As you inquire as to what God wants to do in your life. When this happens, there are definitely benefits. Here's two that just in these verse, verses right here, verse five, "In a time of trouble, the benefits of God's house. number one, God will hide you in a time of trouble. He'll conceal, protect you and provide strength in a time of trouble. And two, God's house. It's a place where God would give you special strength and stability. He'll set your feet on a rock. How awesome can that be? When everything around you moving is, everything's under attack and there's a lot of obscurity and confusion, whatever it might be. The church, the house of God, should be a place where people have been placed, should be a place where people have An attitude out of beholding the beauty where they encourage should be a place where people come expecting, where people are joined together, where we bear one another's burdens. We can truly say that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold your beauty. For in a time of trouble, when it comes, oh God, I know where I belong. Even though I don't know what to do with it, I know people around me will come and strengthen me in the house.